think about if Kareem was on this episode and he like caught me making this realization right now, how happy he would be. He'd be like, oh, oh, look at that. Brent's got his worldview and he thinks that just because it's him, that it's everybody in the world. And again, he is wrong. By the way, Brent, my sister says hi. Welcome to another episode of the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name is Michael Lockie, and I'm joined by my co-host, Brent Philbin. What's up? What's up, Crypto Basic bitches? Oh, no, I'm not allowed to use that. Uh, Crypto Basic Nation. Brent, that is banned until 2022. You know the rules. All right, guys. Today, we're going to be doing an episode on a project that has been coined as, open quote, the Craigslist of crypto, end quote. And no, not that part of Craigslist. If you're looking for that part of Craigslist, you can go check out our Spank Chain 101 episode in the archives. (laughs) All right, guys. Today's episode will be the 0x token on the Ethereum blockchain. Brent, let's get it started with your and my personal bias going into this project. All right. So my personal bias on this was <laughs> uh, we have a friend who's been on the podcast a couple times. His name's Adam Levy. And he, uh, back in the day, would always suggest coins to me. And I would be like, well, what is that? And he'd be like, ah, I don't really know. Like People have been telling me to buy it. So we got him out of that. Now he actually does his research. But it was funny back then. He was in a chat full of like smarter people than him. And he was just buying the coins that they were saying to buy. And Zero X was one of them. So I did a little bit of research on it back then on the basic the basic level, found out that it was a decentralized exchange. I liked it. I sold that position, so I do not have that position any longer. Going into this episode, I had a positive bias, and I also own zero coins. Yeah, my experience with this coming into this recording was that I had never owned it before, but the only time it really stood out to me as uh, extremely relevant was the... Uh, and I don't know if we're going to cover this. I'm sure we are, but uh, Coinbase listed as an option to be listed on their platform. And that kind of opened its, you know, attention to my eyes. And, you know, I haven't had the chance to look at it completely, but I'm glad we're going to get to do that today. Yep. That, that sums up, uh, biases. Remember, we put those biases out there so that you guys know where we're coming from when we research these episodes. We, you need to be aware of the bias of everyone that you get information from, including us. All right, so we got the biases covered. Next up, we like to go into the vision. What is the vision that the 0x token is trying to accomplish? So they're trying to create an open protocol for decentralized exchange on the Ethereum platform. So they want everybody to be able to use this decentralized exchange, no matter what their approach or exchange software are. That is very interesting. So there's going to be a couple ways they're probably going to handle that. But why don't we start off with the history? What kind of led up to the development of this? How did the background look? So I'm going to start including in the history, like how they're distributing their funds from the ICO, because most of these projects that we're handling now have all had ICOs. So um, their ICO was in August of uh, 2017, August 15th, 2017. They, you know, they were during the time when there were a lot of great ICOs being, being funded very well. The token distribution is 50% of those tokens were distributed to the ICO members. So everybody who took place or took part in the ICO got 50% of the tokens that were ever going to be created. 15% of the tokens were retained by the 0x protocol itself. Uh, 15% were placed into a developer fund. 10% went to the founding team. 
and 10% went to early backers and advisors. All of those that went to the developers fund, the founding team, and the backers and advisors are being released over a four-year vesting period, so not released right away. Um, the other really important part of Zero X's history, I mean, they've got a lot of they've got a lot of little stuff going on, on along the line. They've they've got 2.0 coming out soon, but Coinbase acquired a Zero X relayer called Paradex, which is a decentralized exchange on the Zero X protocol, basically. Um, and that happened in May of 2018. You mentioned Coinbase might be adding zero X. That was one of the things that they looked at. They, they acquired this exchange. So I think that the fact that they're going to add zero X is probably pretty likely. And, uh, that they, zero X also in conjunction with like 2.0, a couple of months, a couple, I think a month ago released the zero X portal, which lists a lot of the available relayers. Uh, and we'll get into what relayers are, but, um, ETH Finex is probably the biggest one, even though they're not really using the right relay or something. I, I don't really understand what's going on there, but it sounds like they kind of have basically the Xerox protocol, but not exactly, because I guess you're allowed to do that. I don't know. But the ones that are 100% on the Xerox protocol, uh, the most popular is probably Radar Relay. Uh, the rest of them are Starbit EX, DDEX, Paradex, ERC Dex, Token Jar, The Ocean, Token Lion, Shark Relay, and there were even seven others that had absolutely zero weekly trading volume. So that is kind of the 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 quick version of history. They are trying to get this decentralized exchange going. All right, Brent, you said something in there that I was that I'm a little curious about, um, and and because of our disclaimers that we have to put in the episodes, I just want to be a little careful with something. Um, you had mentioned that you believed it was probable that Coinbase would add Xerox. So I'm, and I have, a, I have a little, let's, uh, let's Chinese auction this. I think it would be an interesting exercise. Um, you can pick the time frame that you want to pick and let's Chinese auction what you think or what we think the percentage is that Coinbase could list them in the time frame of your choice. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I mean, I can just, I can just give you like random numbers. I, and my, my numbers are going to be very uneducated. I think they're more likely to add them simply because they bought the exchange. So it makes sense for their products to integrate with each other. Right. So for I, sure, that, all that's very viable. But the, the thing I want to be careful on is I, I don't mind sharing our opinions and I don't want somebody because it being listed on Coinbase quote is, very touchy in this space. So I don't want anybody to hear that and kind of hold on to it too much. So I would rather add a little perspective as to what we think the percentages are, because obviously our opinions are a way of expressing we believe the percentage chance of something happening. Fair? Yeah. All right. So let's just, uh, I'll, I'll just do it like this. Do, what percentage chance do I think it's going to be added in the next two years? I think it's probably like 90%. Um, what percentage chance do I think it will be added in the next year? Probably still a favorite, maybe like 60%. And what do I think, what chance do I think it has to be added in the next few months? I would say now we're looking at probably like 20% or 15%, very unlikely to happen very quickly. So they're very careful with how they- 15% in the next few months? I think that's really high. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I, I don't know. I feel like that's really low for something that I think is definitely going to, not definitely, but very likely to happen in the nearish future. <laughs> And they've already acquired the the exchange, so they've already made some steps. But I, what I'm what I'm saying with the fifteen percent, and I'll even go a little bit further, is I don't think they'll add. I think there's a fifteen percent that the chance they add any coin 
in the next three months. And if they do, then what I will say is that if they add any coin in the next three months or ever, and the, the first time that they finally decide we're going to add any other coin, and the last one that they were going to add is Ethereum Classic. So past that, the next coin decision that they make, I believe, will include 0x. Uh, so if if we can eliminate the time feature and say, what percentage chance do you think that the next group of coins that they say they're going to add, whether it be one or more, includes 0x, then I would say I'm closer to 70% chance on that. So that's what, you know, completely unfounded percentages, but that's how I feel in my mind based on the fact that 0x really does fit all of what they're looking for, and they've already clearly made signals into working on it. I would say your two-year time frame guess, I, I would probably agree with. Um, the the year-long and the three-month-long, I would probably comfortably take the under, but those are just our opinions. That's not saying either of us are right. I just wanted a, a bit of clarity for the listeners. So let's move on to the rapid-fire section. I'm sure we have a drop, but I don't know. <laughs> All right. Number one, is it a coin token or a platform? The 0x token is a token. Is it decentralized? Okay. <laughs> so we'll get into this, but it is, but not as much as you might think. So I know it's supposed to be a decentralized exchange, but there's some caveats here. So I am not comfortable in saying yes. I also don't really want to say no. So I know it's supposed to be more rapid than that, but you'll understand. So later. maybe. Maybe. Cool. All right. Uh, is it mined or staked? Nope. There's no way to do either one of those on the ZeroX protocol. Is there mainnet live? Yes. I mean, they're on the Ethereum network and they don't plan to leave it, especially since everything is involved with the Ethereum network. But their their protocol is also live. So they don't have any further developments to lead, to get going, basically. Does it sound cool? Uh, so this is tough. I actually do think it sounds cool. <laughs> it looks cool. But most people won't think that because they don't realize that. So zero X is the first two uh, letters or and numbers of an Ethereum address always. So that's why it's that. But if you haven't actually been using Ethereum addresses and you've been using, say, Coinbase or you've been using Binance and you don't really have a whole lot of experience with that, you're not going to notice that. So you're going to think that it's kind of weird that there's a number and a letter and it doesn't make a ton of sense. So, uh Maybe. Okay. I don't know. It's both ways. Like, I I, I want to say yes. I really want to say yes. But I understand the reasons why All right. it might not be great I for have to stop you. I have to stop you, Brent. I'm extremely disappointed right now. Longtime listeners of this show know we end up disagreeing on this nearly every time. And when he had the yes highlighted here, I got so excited it's literally like, yes, the, his answer was yes. I was all excited for him to answer yes. And then he just somehow doesn't. All right. So I know I answered yes. I think it's yes. I do think it sounds cool. This is extremely cool. I think the fact that 0x is the start of every Ethereum address is really, really interesting. It's very neat. It's very nerdy. It's fucking cool. Just accept it. It's cool, Brent. It's allowed to be cool. Great job, 0x. Very hipster. <laughs> Speaking of hipster, I need you to explain how this technology is going to work. All right. So the real thing that you need to know is 0x is a decentralized exchange of Ethereum ERC-20 tokens. They don't have the ability to do any of those other non-fungible tokens or uh, the, the different upgrades, only ERC-20. And 
the protocol can be used by any relayer. So radar relay, like I said, is the the one that is probably the most familiar zero X exchange, maybe Paradex because Coinbase bought them, but they, the exchanges are the ones that build the exchange functionality, but, and they're also the ones that get the fees. So the zero X protocol doesn't get fees for the trades being uh, conducted. So the big difference between zero X decentralized exchange and say ether delta is that they don't put their order book on the blockchain their order book is handled off chain by the relayers or well actually i'm sorry not by the relayers uh, it's handled off chain by what is called uh uh and i put i wrote this name down somewhere oh the automated market maker smart contract so it's handled off chain by the automated market maker smart contract so that the order you can put the orders in and they can be taken, but only order execution causes a blockchain transaction, not posting the order. So like on Ether Delta, you have to use gas just to put your order out there. And now if some market conditions change. You have to use gas to cancel that order so that nobody takes it here. You can do all that without the issues happening on the Ethereum blockchain. At the same time, the automated market maker smart contract is supposed to have basically a an algorithm built into it so that it changes the prices accordingly and doesn't allow market manipulation. So you can't just start spamming like a really high price and then, you know, sell your coins at that high price or whatever. So the so it's supposed to be kind of resistant to market manipulation in that fashion. I don't really understand how it, exactly that works, but I'll take the community's word for it that it is. So the important thing to realize is that this is decentralized application agnostic. So you can use the zero X protocol with any decentralized application that uses the Ethereum network or ERC 20 tokens, which is pretty cool. Uh, so anybody can build on top of zero X. You and I could make an exchange on zero X. We call it the crypto basic podcast exchange and we could have ERC 20 tokens on there and build this thing and we could collect the fees for it. So that kind of makes the market perfectly competitive. And very often in perfectly competitive markets, fees go close to zero. So it will probably be very economical to trade via the zero X protocol on many of these exchanges, assuming there's any liquidity on the sides that you want to take, right? So that's good. So we, yeah, if there's a hundred of these out there, they all have to compete for who gets to be the one that has the most volume. And one of the best ways to compete is lower your price. So that's good. They, they have created a very competitive real quick, market. I have a question. I just want to ask you real quick. Um, so is the liquidity the same for all of these different skins that are connecting to the Xerox protocol, all the different relays, uh, or does each the, one no, have its own liquidity? No. The, so the relayers relay the, the maker and taker orders to the protocol, but you're only going to see the relay from your own relayer. So if you're on radar relay, you can see the radar relay order book, mm. but you can't see uh, the Paradex order book. However, there is a, the unifying thing that I talked about, the zero X portal, you will see multiple liquidities. Now you can't put any orders on, on there, but you can go from there and see the liquidities and then go to your chosen relayer and then go from there. So it's not, it's not like a pooled group of makers and takers, but they do end up pooling onto the same smart contract. So I can, um, what I can do is I can actually, I'll go through the, the step-by-step that they laid out and kind of explain how this works. So if you're the maker, you approve a decentralized exchange con- contract to your, your Ethereum address. 
uh, for the balance of the token that you want to make the market with, right? Uh, and then you create an order that you want to trade token one or, or token A for token B, uh, specifying the exchange rate that you want to exchange token A and B for uh, when the order expires. And then you sign the order with your private key. So this is all very similar to any other exchange, private key being in place of like your fingerprint or your password or whatever for a centralized exchange. You broadcast that order to whatever communication medium you want to broadcast that order to. Anybody who, which would be like the the relays, right? So then the taker could you send it to multiple relays? Uh, I don't think you can send it just via the one broadcast to multiple relays because you have to be doing this in a relay. Basically, you might be able to do it if you understand like the code behind it and do it that way. I cannot say for sure that that like I don't know if you can have the same order on a multiple so spots. The the immediate thought that comes to mind is if there was a way you know, to portal all these together, then this could have massive opportunity for everybody. But, you know, the more we talk about liquidity, the more that becomes very relevant for any of this mass adoption. Nobody's going to use this to save money if it takes way more time to watch and actually like, you know, have to sit weeks before your orders get filled. Like nobody's going to use it then. So that's going to be a big hurdle. That's the incentive for these relays to basically uh, compete with each other. They want them to create better products. Like when you go on Radar Relay, it's such a better product than Ether Delta. Is it a better product than Paradex? I don't know. I haven't used both of those. I've only used Radar Relay, oddly enough, for trading Spank Chain, like we mentioned earlier. So <laughs> the, 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 the point there is one of them will end up having the biggest liquidity. And then they'll have probably the biggest fees too. So you'll you'll have to decide whether you want the liquidity or you want the smaller fees and the market should sort itself out that way. So I actually would prefer that than everybody being together and setting bigger fees. I would rather have the competition drive the fees down. That's keeping the incentives aligned with the the people creating the experience and the people using the experience. Um so anyway, to to finish this uh this process uh, so you broadcast this to to the network. Um, the taker can inter- intercept the order and decide whether they want to fill the order. Then the the taker approves the decentralized exchange contract to access their balance of the second token. Then they sign the order and the DEX authenticates both orders and swaps them. So that's how this is working. And they're... Um, the relays just become the exchanges. The relays uh, themselves are the, the thing that you're going to feel like this is an exchange, like Paradex, like Radar Relay. That is the, the relayers are the exchanges of the mediums. So that's where you see everything. It's where you see the order books. And you're going to use the cleaner ones. You're going to use the faster ones. You're going to use the ones with better marketing. So, you know, um, I'm hopefully, right when we started this podcast, I reached out to the uh, to the owner of Radar Relay to try and be a uh, – like they had like an affiliate program, but you couldn't just join it. You had to be approved. Um, he he actually listened to one of our episodes, said he liked it, but never ended up getting back to us. I reached out to him again uh, in email. So I'm hoping to actually have him on the show. I would say I've got like a 10, 20 percent chance of having it happen. But if it does, it'll be interesting to see some of the stuff on their end about what they go through. Because, uh, again, the Xerox protocol doesn't get these fees at all. It is, all goes to the relayer. So the the zero X protocol uh those coins are going to be used in a different way, and we're going to explain that in a little while. Uh, the final thing I have to mention is that you can't actually trade Ethereum on the Xerox <laughs> protocol, interestingly enough. Because, really, yeah, Ethereum is not an ERC-20 token. 
Ethereum is Ethereum. <laughs> so you cannot use it as an ERC-20 token in these smart contracts. So you can't use it as a trading be- pair? No, well, well, you can because if, if there's a way around it, but it can't oh, okay. actually just be used on the smart contract. So there is what is called wrapped Ethereum, W-E-T-H. And wh- all this is is locking up X amount of Ethereum and being granted X amount or Y amount. Uh, no, actually X, sorry. Locking up X amount of Ethereum, getting X amount of W-E-T in its place. So W-E-T is essentially like the tether of the Ethereum blockchain. Like it is one-to-one, except it's actually auditable because it's on a blockchain and you can see where the Ethereum is locked up in the smart contract that's been wrapped in the, uh, for, to but it W-E-T. is, it, it's, it's Ethereum. It's not a stable coin, right? Right. Yeah. It, it is for all intents and purposes is Ethereum. There is okay, no, but it's just a token W-E-T's of Ethereum that you can use on this platform. Right. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is one-to-one on Ethereum. It will never have a different price than Ethereum. And you can, you don't have to sell it to somebody to get it back as Ethereum. You just unwrap it and then it gets released from the smart contract. So it, it is, it was just a little interesting thing. It's going to be like when you go to these exchanges, you do have to say, I want to wrap this. So it is important to understand what that is if you're going to use that functionality on the exchanges. So in order to trade your Ethereum on these zero X powered exchanges, you first need to wrap it and wrapping it is just creating a clone token of it that is actually ERC-20 rather than just leaving the Ethereum out there. So you, I I added a new section to the to the outline. Rather than put the governance inside the features and structures, I thought that it might be better to just have a specific section on governance for each of these coins because we always talk about it. So, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to go right into that because it, it does – you know, work here. I just wanted to point out in the future. Know, we will, this is, this is one of your favorite things about crypto. So I'm glad you're, you're extrapolating it and having its own section. Yeah. So what is the governance behind the zero X protocol? Well, it is the token is supposed to be what is used for the governance. So it's not, there's no proof of stake for the token. There's no proof of work for the token. The token really isn't doing, you have to pay all the fees on these radar relays in the zero X token or uh, not ra- relays, not ra- <laughs> I'm using radar relay as if it's all of them, but <laughs> On these relayers, you have to use the zero X token to pay the fees. So, uh, you, they can't accept fees in like ETH and make it work in the contract. So the, that is the number one thing that the token is doing right now. Number two is it's supposed to be for the governance of the network. Um, in the white paper, they say they're going to have a DAO, which is, which is very interesting. Um, but, but, and this is why I said we're, we're in this, weird spot with a decentralized exchange because the zero X protocol is not holding any money. So they are decentralized exchange in that sense, but the protocol itself is not currently decentralized. And, and here's why they are currently not using a DAO. They are using a multi-sig wallet that it with a multi-sig wallet is, is multiple people need to sign off with their own private keys to get any money to move around. So, you know, if we created the Crypto Basic Podcast multi-sig wallet, then all three of us would have to agree before we moved any Ethereum. However, if you wanted to send us Ethereum to that wallet, you could do it on your own. The address is in the show notes, and you can go ahead and uh, <laughs> send that. Nobody's ever sent it. You could be the first one to send us Ethereum. We didn't even start posting that. Until, oh, like, wow. We might even, is, is there a way we could add some text on the blockchain to tell someone that they're the first? I mean, they can – look, you can look and see if you're the first one to ever send to that to that contract address there's one ethan there which is we've sent it to ourselves so that's that is a crypto basic yep, podcast guilty. Asset. that was 
That was worth a lot more when we put it in there. <laughs> so what, like eight hundred, right? Uh, yeah, something like that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's you know that was a great decision. So anyway, uh, yeah, if you if you go you go on there, we'll like uh, in, you can include a message yourself, and we'll read it out on the podcast. How about that? Uh, in in your transaction, if you don't leave one in there, we won't read it out. But please send us money anyway. We like it. Uh, so. So anyway, the multi-sig wallet, everybody has to agree to move stuff. So there's a little bit of a check and balance there, but it's still completely centralized. Like there are a certain group of people that run this multi-sig wallet. I, so I, what do I do when I can't find the answer to something? Yes. No, I, I go to Reddit and I ask the community to figure it out for me. So I, I actually I saw that on, last night too. <laughs> I popped on Reddit and I was like, look, I've got a couple of questions here. That I'm having trouble finding the answer to. So the first question I had is the the white paper mentions a DAO, which I'm talking about here, but it looks like it's really far off. And I think that their plan to include that DAO doesn't even come to fruition until 2020. Now, in 2019, in June, they have on their roadmap that they're going to give the network the ability to veto something. So if the developers have chosen to do something uh, inside the uh, the smart contract, then the people can say no, but they can't actually vote for ways to spend the money. They can't vote for changes. They can only vote against as a negative. So I, I wanted to see if I, you know, that was true. Um, and I wanted to see who controls the multi-sig wallet. So it is true. Um, you know, right now there, there is no uh, check and balance from the community on that multi-sig wallet. The only balance you have is that, if something changes, there are at least two weeks before it goes into effect and you would have to be paying attention to the pulse of the community and cancel your orders if they did something you didn't like. So that it, you know, that you have that option. I don't believe that qualifies as decentralized. Um, you know, the, the person, uh, it, who responded to this, their username was, uh, Palazzo. They, they're, they had community ambassador as their title. They have, Responded very well to all these points. They gave a lot of great, uh, a lot of great examples, a lot of great counterpoints. Um, the thing that I was having a hard time wrapping my head around here is that it seems that the decentralized protocol or the decentralized exchange protocol is centralized. And I, I believe I am correct in saying that. Uh, one of the things he said was, do you consider the entirety of Ethereum decentralized or any project that doesn't have a formal governance, formalized governance? Uh, because they do all face the same issues. Um, Bitcoin, even, you know, just six core developers were able to cancel the, the Segwit 2x fork, uh, you know, or the Segwit 2x upgrade, not fork, you know, and we know that very few people can kind of, or very few entities can kind of control the Bitcoin blockchain at this point. So yes, it is really tough to, to pin down decentralization. But my personal thought is if a very, very small group of people can affect the code, it is very tough to call it decentralized. So they don't have the funds on an exchange anywhere, but it is, you know, it, it's tough to call it a decentralized exchange because of this. Uh, we don't know who has control over the multi-sig wallet. Uh, we, the, the responder didn't believe they've ever made that public, so we don't know who it is. Uh, the token transfer proxy is the name of this smart contract that I keep referencing that has this. So uh, check out the entire comment. I mean, it's really long, uh, we, and we had a, a little bit of back and forth where I, I was... I'm excited to see if they actually do end up going with a DAO, especially if IOHK can get that that DAO going that they could implement into multiple chains. Maybe they take it. So, 
Uh, that's it. I, I So that was that's the governance. So right now, and also, I'm sorry. Also, there was a Medium article that I looked at that talked about the the lack of decentralization here and uh, the problems with it. Now, the Medium article came from somebody who is an owner, or is, is not owner, but is part of a project for another decentralized exchange. So obviously, they have a very good reason to say something bad about zero x right but they they basically said that their smart contract is flawed because it assumes people are paying attention to the multi-sig wallet to see if people are acting maliciously and it also assumes that the information that there was something malicious happening would actually get disseminated to enough of the token holders fast enough that they could do something about it and right now neither of those are very likely so i i actually agree with that um you know i the first part that people are paying attention is probably not true. People probably are paying attention, but getting that information out, if something malicious were to happen, would be kind of hard. So hopefully this this gets addressed. The community veto is step one and the DAO is step two. And it's, you know, as far as cons of the project, we're going to get into that in a little bit. Probably the biggest one, in my opinion, uh, but not a deal breaker. Yeah, that was really well recorded, really well researched. Uh, really didn't even develop many questions towards the end there. So excellent job on that. Are you prepared for the pros and cons? Well, I'm ready. ready. I am do you have ready. Any, do you have any personal preference today on how you want to tackle the pros and or cons? No. We'll go right into the cons because I was just talking about that, uh, that big con. And then we'll wrap up with, with what I consider to be All the right. pros. So, so the main con that I wrote down was unfortunately they have not achieved true decentralization. And that is uh, that what I, everything that I was just explaining two minutes ago is why I think that, um, the orders do still have to go through the Ethereum blockchain, even though the order book can be placed off chain, which is a big pro compared to any of the other decentralized exchanges. It still does take a while to settle those trades. So um, it, it's faster than the other options out there. It is not a fully functional exchange where, you know, when you think about the throughput that's required for those exchanges. So it is um, it is faster. It is not a full perfect solution yet, but they may get better. And every time the Ethereum blockchain upgrades itself, they'll get better as well. Uh, and the, f- the final con, I only grabbed three cons here, is uh, that they're only using ERC-20 tokens currently. It looks like on their roadmap, they plan to look into non-fungible tokens and other options. So that would increase it to the other ERC numbers. But right now, it's just ERC-20. So that's a little bit of a downside because the the nuance between which tokens are ERC-20 and which are, I don't remember the other, 771 or whatever. Uh, uh, is lost 720 on is the biggest one. Yeah, 720. That's the one that was working with like Loom Network and stuff, right? Uh, so is a little bit lost on even me. Most of the community is just going to be like, why can't I trade these tokens on here? They're, they're Ethereum tokens. I thought this was all Ethereum tokens. So I could see that being a little bit of a, a little, you know, a little bit of a problem there. But uh, anyway, that's it. That's it for the pros. And I think the development team is really working on is saying they're working on two of the three of those and the other one's out of their control. The other one is just they're using the Ethereum blockchain. So as Ethereum gets better, like Vitalik has said in the past, the Ethereum killer is Ethereum and the successor to Ethereum is Ethereum. Uh, he believes that Ethereum will only get better and better. So, um, you know, we'll see as this, as the space continues to mature. On to the pros. It is faster, cheaper. It's faster and cheaper to use than the other decentralized Ethereum exchanges like Ether Delta, and it 
the radar, the relays being able to compete with each other for the fees creates a much better user experience. Using radar relay versus any of those is like night and day. Uh, it is actually nice to use radar relay. It is a pain in the ass to try to use ether delta. Always has been. Um, I actually will, I will actually just pause you real quick. Ether Delta did go through a full redesign fairly recently and does have a much better user oh. experience now than it was before. But that's, I, I, I waited till now to even correct you on that because I didn't even know how re- valid it really was. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I haven't used them because the experience was so bad that I want to use everything else that I can first. So, it's good to hear that they redesigned. I'll have to check that out to actually formulate a good opinion on it. Um, and But still, everything has to be handled on the blockchain, so it has to be slower just by definition. So they, you know, where we're saying even the settling is being slow is kind of like a little bit of a con. As far as like those exchanges, everything has to be on the blockchain, so it takes a while to settle up. Um, the ZeroX protocol is open source. I don't think I've mentioned that anywhere yet. But it, 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 anybody can use that. So anybody can become a relayer. Like I said, there are relayers on the, the zero X portal that have never even done a trade. They're just there and they're trying their best and they develop the, uh, they develop software and they're really hoping people do it. So anybody can do this. So, you know, it, with, with the right technical coding, to, coding knowledge to create this system. So they want that. They want as many people using this protocol to exchange these coins as humanly possible so you could put it in a game you could put it in a d app you could put it right now most of them are just exchanges but 100 anyone any relayer can use this uh there's no fees for the base layer protocol which is other than the gas fees to move it around on the ethereum network you don't have to pay fees to just use the protocol like like the the relayers aren't you aren't paying fees out of the fees that they're collecting to use the protocol so that's nice and um you know, like I said, anybody can use our protocol, including Coinbase. You know, Coinbase bought Paradex. They didn't even have to. They could have just used the Zero X protocol and made their own uh, decentralized exchange. I think that they did. They bought it because it was easier to grab developers who already had experience and kind of mold them into what they're looking for and what they want. They're not buying out competition because you can't buy out the competition here. That's another great thing. Like Facebook can't come around and buy the biggest person in the space. And now all of a sudden. You know, WhatsApp is under Facebook control. No, they, you are somebody else can just pop up and do the exact same thing. And, uh, and they, it require it means then that these relays have to provide a good user experience. And that was my final thing. It, the competition allows the relayers to create a great user experience because they have to. They have to create the good user experience to keep the users, to keep the liquidity and to keep the fees coming in. And it also means that. They're not going to be gouging you. You're not going to run into like, you know, as much as we do say good things about Binance, th- their withdrawal fees for a little bit there were absolutely obnoxious. Like, uh, like three months ago, if you wanted to withdraw, it was like 0.01 ETH, which was like $8 at the time or $10 a time. It was like, what the hell? So they, they've fixed that since, but the, the point is there wasn't a whole lot you could do about it because they were the best exchange at the time. So these relayers, Really have to be careful of their fees and how they're handling things, and it's going to pre it's going to be good for the end user in the end. All right, excellent stuff there. Uh, since you mentioned Binance, why don't we go ahead and have you fill in the blanks for where you can purchase Xerox? Okay, I mean it's pretty much available at all of the exchanges you would expect. I mean it's available. It's the twenty fourth overall coin, so it's everywhere. Binance. OKEX, HitBTC, Bittrex, uh, Bithum, Cointiger, ETHFinex, Poloniex, 
will be like all of it. It's everywhere. So you can get it everywhere. You can get it on all the decentralized exchanges. Just looking real quick at CoinMarketCap, there's 71 exchanges that CoinMarketCap has listed. So you can find it wherever you want to find it. I know we've mentioned Ether Delta a couple of times as far as competition goes, but who else would you include as, you know, the roadblocks that could prevent Xerox from, you know, succeeding? I, you know, I don't want to call them roadblocks, but there's definitely like some, some competition. So many people are trying to get uh, decentralized exchanges up and running. BitShares is already up and running as a decentralized exchange. Kyber Network, uh, Ether Delta. Like, I'm trying to think what are, what are some of the other ones? Binance is going to be a, competitor if they do what they say they're going to do with creating that decentralized exchange komodo has a decentralized exchange uh even stellar kind of has a decentralized exchange if you think about it um there is a lot of competition in the decentralized exchange category at, you know at the same time you know, even things like gate.io like down on down the line like there there are a lot of options but there's also a clear a clear front runner right now which i think is zero x so they are i think they're ahead of the competition so far and we'll see how that plays out i like that you use the term so far because that segues very nicely into our personal future outlook so this is the part where brent you're allowed to take off you know you let your hair down (laughs) say what you need to say what's going on what do you think is gonna happen what is your opinion okay so coinbase is going if unless they just bought Paradex and are never going to do anything with it, they're going to push the adoption of zero X in some fashion soon, sooner than later. Right? It's possible that the team will even come up with more value to solve existing problems, but humans will act in their own best interest, you know, most of the time. And right now, the multi sig wallet versus the DAO is like you need to be giving up so much control. It takes a very special group of people to do that. And what I'm worried about is that maybe Coinbase adopting it too early is going to make that core group so powerful with that particular group of decentralized exchanges that maybe they start pushing back the DAO. Maybe they start pushing back the veto. Maybe they start pushing things off and we never, you know, like with the coordinator for IOTA, we see that happening a lot. Um, that thing is was supposed to be off a year ago and it's, not even close. So it is really tough to ren- to wrench control of something away from individuals. And that's what crypto is supposed to be doing. And it's tough to watch it here. So I don't think 2020 is when we're actually going to see a DAO attached to this. And I'm really hoping I'm wrong because if Coinbase ends up pushing this adoption, it'll be really cool to have all these competing things on the 0x protocol working in unison to make our crypto space great again. But I am cautiously optimistic that they will release control. So I don't, I don't necessarily have a strong personal future outlook. I, th- I thought the, the episode was very interesting and I thought that you covered everything extremely well. Um, I'm curious though, if Coinbase, so they acquired Paradex. Is Paradex still operational as it was originally as a relay? Yeah, I think so. Uh, to your knowledge, okay. So I'll just I'll just go to their site real quick. I'm pretty sure it's just working. Um, there was there would be no gotcha. reason for them to shut it down. It just happens to be owned by Coinbase, and they're receiving the fee. Yeah, it's there. It's working. Um, trade tokens directly. Uh, no account signups. Uh, and if you go to Zero X Portal, um, you'll see their their trade volume. Their trade volume on Paradex so far 
for the last week is uh, just over or just under two million in weekly trade volume. So you know it's not a lot. Uh, Radar relay is three hundred fifty k. Starbit has uh, four million DDEX. So I was considering Radar relay like the the more evolved of them but i guess i'm wrong like they're not they're they're in the top four but they're not even there so it just happens to be the one that i've used the most so i'm confusing my own experience with the experience of the world again i hate when i do that but uh think about if kareem was on this episode and he like caught me making this realization right now how happy he would be he'd be like oh oh look at that brent's got his worldview and he thinks that just because it's him that it's everybody in the world and again he is wrong by the way brent my sister says hi all right, Brent. So I think that's going to do it for the Zero X Protocol 101 from the Crypto Basic Podcast. My name was Mike. I was here with Brent. Thanks again for tuning in. The members of the Crypto Basic Podcast are not financial advisors. They are idiots. Please do not listen to anything they say without first doing your own research. They really apologize for the episode on Monday. And know that all investments have inherent risk. Music.